Our sermon text this morning is from the Gospel of John, verses 25 to 27, but I'd like to put that text in its larger context, the entire story of the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days, and then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you were going back? Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death. But his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, She got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. 
when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house uh, comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the blind eyes have kept this man from dying? Jesus once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes. And let him go. May God bless the reading and preaching of his word to each of our hearts this morning. Let's pray. Father, we bless you for your word, which is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We pray that you would bless this reading and preaching of your word to each of our hearts this day, that we might grow in our knowledge of you and your world, ourselves, that we might more enjoy the calling that you have given to us and that we might honor you more along the path of life. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus, your Son and our Savior, who reigns together with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Well, be seated, please. We're continuing our series on the uh, I Am statements. We've looked at I am the bread, I am the light, I am the gate, and I am the good shepherd. And this morning's text, verses 25 to 27 of the story that we read, uh, are the next of the I am's, but they're different. Uh, There are two differences. One is that this is the first time where there are two predicates. Uh, A predicate is something that you say about a subject. The subject is the table. I could say the table is wood. Wood is the predicate. There are two of those predicates. Jesus says, I am the resurrection, one, and the life, two. So this is a change. Uh, Not just one predicate, but two. And for the first time, those predicates are not metaphors. I am the bread, not literally. I am the light, not literally. 
I am the gate, not literally. I am the good shepherd, not literally. In the first four, Jesus uses figure of speech. But now he speaks clearly, without figures, albeit those around him still didn't quite get it, as is often the case with us. Now, since there are two predicates, we just better have two points. I am the resurrection, and I am the life. Let's begin with the first thing that Jesus says when he says, I am the resurrection. Now, to put this in context, not all first century Jews believed in life after death in a resurrection from the dead. Uh, The Sadducees, Matthew 22, 23, that same day the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection, came to him with a question. Uh, It's funny how you remember some things, right? I can remember in Sunday school as a little kid learning about the Sadducees and and the fact that uh, they didn't believe in the resurrection and that's why they were... Now, how many learned that when they were little? And we still remember it today, right? We never have to wonder, which of the two didn't believe in the resurrection? Sadducee. The Sadducee, they didn't believe in the resurrection from the dead. The Pharisees did. Uh, John eleven twenty four that we have read, Martha just said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Uh, the Sadducees tended to be the religious group of the elite, the wealthy, the leaders. The Pharisees were more the religious movement of the common people. And so Mary, Martha, Jesus, they're all common people, uh, and they're all participating in a lot of the theology of the Pharisees. They believed in the resurrection from the dead. And the Pharisees are the ones who became the foundation of what we call rabbinic Judaism. And rabbinic Judaism is like the great-great-great-grandfather of what we think of in the modern day as Judaism in its various movements, whether it's orthodox or conservative or reform, all these various branches of Judaism, they're all rooted in rabbinic Judaism, and that rabbinic Judaism is all rooted in the Pharisees, and modern Judaism has its origins there. So, Not everybody believed in the resurrection. It wasn't a given in that day. Now, when when Jesus says, I am the resurrection, he begins to qualify that by saying, the one who believes in me will live. Uh, The one who believes in me, this kind of language is used 98 times in the Gospel of John. Remember, Hebrew mothers taught their kids to repeat their vocabulary so that people will get the point Believing in Jesus as the Christ is certainly one of the main things in John's mind as he writes the gospel. Think of that uh, summary statement at the end of the gospel of John in 2031. These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. This is a theme that runs through the gospel. The one who believes in me will live. And of course, that's a loaded expression. Uh, It certainly refers to what we looked at a few weeks ago from the previous chapter, John chapter 10.10. The thief comes only to kill and to harm and to destroy. I've come that you might have life and have it in all of its abundance. 
When Jesus says, the one who believes in me will live, he's certainly talking about that abundant life in this life, but he's talking about an abundant life that knows no end. We've already heard from John 3.16 that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. When Jesus says, the one who believes in me will live, he's saying that the one who has faith in me will have this abundant life now and forever. And he says, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. So while Jesus is not speaking in metaphors, Sometimes his words do come across as a little bit cryptic to us. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Here he's clearly talking about physical death. He says that it's faith in him that will bring one back to life at the last day. He's saying that he is the very ground of resurrection life in the future. Because Jesus was there on the scene, the resurrection was there on the scene as well. If we go back to verses 23 and 24, uh, or even starting in 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Have you often ever said that in your praying? Lord, if you had only, then this wouldn't have happened. And the presumption is that we are the ones who have the profound understanding of the way God's world ought to be running. Arrogant though it may be, haven't we all thought in one way or another at times That if only we ran the world, if only we ran our lives, how much better it would be. But she goes on to say, I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection. The resurrection is here. It's already here. The resurrection is standing in your presence. The one who believes in me will live because I am the resurrection. And he goes on to say, I am the life. He says, and whoever lives by believing in me. Whoever lives, he's focusing our attention by this repetition on that abundant and eternal life. Now, your translation probably says, unless you're reading the new NIV that I'm reading, your translation probably says, uh, whoever lives and believes in me. NASB, ESV, older NIV. Two things, right? Whoever lives and believes in me. 
And although the New Testament was written in Greek, it was written by Jews whose first language was Hebrew Aramaic. And so often their Greek is thinly veiled Hebrew. There's something that goes on in Hebrew quite a bit. For example, the text will say, he answered and said. Well, it's not as if he answered and then he said something. He prayed and said. It's not as if he prayed and then after he prayed, he said something. Um, He called out and said. It's not as if he said, hey, everybody, and then he says. It seems like there are two things, but the second one is explaining. He answered by saying. He prayed by saying. He called out by saying. Everyone who, believe, everyone who lives by believing in me. So the reason why the new NIV translates it, whoever lives by believing in me, is because they sense that that's what these two ands mean, just like answered and said, prayed and said. And of course, that's explicit in the verse that we've already looked at, John 20, 31. These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. We're saved by grace, yes? We're saved through faith. We're not saved by our faith. Oh, God, help us. If we're saved by our faith, then we would certainly be in a situation where we would be saved one day and not the next. Saved one hour and not the next. Saved one moment and not the next. It's by grace and grace alone. And God has granted that we access that grace through faith. It's by believing that we have life in His name. Jesus says, whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Now he's not talking about physical death. Now he's talking about spiritual death in eternity. He's not talking about physical death. We all die. Just a couple of exceptions in the Old Testament, right? Uh, Enoch walked with God and he was not. Uh, A few people have avoided walking through the darkest valley. We die. What happened to Lazarus after he was raised from the dead? Lazarus died. Jesus is here not speaking of physical death. Jesus is here speaking of spiritual death in all eternity when he says, whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Daniel 12, too. You know, teaching on afterlife and resurrection... We don't get it clearly in Genesis 1, 2, 3, 4. As God teaches us through the ages, He teaches through the Old Testament like we're little children, and He just gives us little bits, little bits, and as we become more mature in the New Testament, He gives us more and more. It's kind of like a three-year-old saying, Mommy, where do babies come from? Well, babies come from mommy's tummy, and the little kid walks off content, right? They got the little bit of information. Now, when that little daughter is not a little daughter, but a teenager, there's a lot more explanation that is given, yes? And that's how God reveals himself through the scriptures. 
So in the Old Testament, it's not until later on, uh, books like Daniel, that we start to get very clear teaching on afterlife and resurrection. Daniel 12, 2, multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will be awakened, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. And when Jesus says, whoever lives by believing in me will never die, he's not promising you that you will avoid walking through the darkest valley in this life. He is promising you that you will never know that resurrection to shame and everlasting contempt. You see, everybody will be raised But not everybody will be raised to life. Some will be raised to death. You will be raised to life. Whoever lives by believing in me will never die. I grew up in a tradition where all of our hope was that it will be better in heaven. And my tradition didn't give us much hope for anything getting better in this life. That's imbalance. But isn't it easy to go to the other imbalance so that our hope is that it's going to be better tomorrow? Certainly, you know from my preaching over years here that I believe that we need to hope that God's kingdom would come and His will would be done on earth now in our lives, that we have hope that it will be better tomorrow. But that is not our ultimate hope. We're going to die, folks. We're going to go through that darkest valley. We can't avoid that. That's the reality. Our hope, therefore, can never be, ultimately, that it's going to be better in this life, because this life comes to an end, and therefore our hope would come to an end. Our hope is that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, and that even though we die, we will never die. Now, let's see that Jesus here doesn't just give life, he is life. As in the prologue, in in him was life. As in uh, 1 John 5, we know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true And we are in Him who is true by being in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. He is eternal life. And if you are connected to Him by grace through faith, you are alive this morning. And you are not only alive this morning, but you are alive forever and ever, world without end. And so let me uh, conclude by looking at the conclusion of our text, which is when Jesus says to Martha, Martha, do you believe this? And she has faith. She says, yes, Lord, I believe. She has faith. Yes, Lord, I believe. But you know, her faith 
is mixed with a good bit of misunderstanding. We can see her misunderstanding in a couple of ways, and I hope it brings us comfort. One, she does not say, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the resurrection and the life, and that even though I die, I will live again. That's what Jesus is asking, right? Do you believe this? Not, Jesus doesn't say, do you believe anything? Do you believe this, what I just told you, that I'm the resurrection and the life, and that if you believe in me, you will live and never die? Well, she doesn't say that. She says, um, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Everything that's true. But she doesn't answer the question because she doesn't understand what he's talking about. Maybe not you, but I've been there. Have you ever been in that situation where somebody asks you a question and you don't want to be embarrassed by not knowing the answer? And so you start to talk and say all kinds of things that are true, but you never do what? You never really answer the question. Why not? You don't know the answer. You don't understand. Sometimes you do that because you don't even understand what the question is. That's what, that's what Martha's doing. Jesus says, do you believe this? Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? And she goes on to spout off stuff that is true about what she really does believe. You see, she has faith. Real faith. But it's mixed up with a lot of misunderstanding. We also see her misunderstanding in another way. In John uh, chapter 11, verse 39, Jesus says, take away the stone. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, for by this time, we got to use the King James, right? He stinketh. <laughs> by this time, there is a bad odor, for he's been in there four days. Now, why on earth would she say that if she understood what Jesus meant when he said, I am the resurrection and the life? And even though somebody dies, they will live. And your brother has died, but he's died only for a moment to so, so that I might think she didn't understand any of that. And so she said, Lord, you can't actually open the tomb. He stinketh. You see, she had real saving faith. That didn't mean she wasn't mixed up. It reminds me of 1 Corinthians 13, 12. For now, we see, we see in a mirror dimly. But then face to face. Now, I know in part. Then, I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. See, the text ends with the question to Martha. Martha, do you believe this? But the reason why the text was written was not for Martha, right? Because she's in the text. The reason why this text was written was for you. The question is not to Martha this morning. The question is to you. Do you believe this? That Jesus is the resurrection and the life.
Now, you may have all kind of mixed up ideas in your head about who God is and how God works and what God does and what God's doing right now. You may have all sorts of misunderstandings. That's okay. That's not the question Jesus is asking. He is not asking, do you understand everything about who I am and what I am doing in your life and in the history of the world leading to the ultimate life in the resurrection? He just says, do you believe this, that I am the resurrection and the life? I hope that you do. If you do not, in a sense, that doesn't matter. If you do not believe that Jesus is the resurrection, that does not mean you will not be raised from the dead. You will be. You will be raised to what Daniel calls shame and everlasting contempt. But if you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, you will be raised to an abundant life now and forevermore. Do you believe this? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for its obscurity. Thank you for its clarity. Thank you for the Spirit who reveals to us that which we need to know that we might put our faith in Jesus as the resurrection and the life. Oh, we do pray that you would give us grace to hope and to trust that things will be better tomorrow or next week in our lives here in this good world that you have made. Uh, But help us not to get caught up uh, in just this life. Help us to be able to see beyond. Help us to be able to see the resurrection to come. And may our ultimate hope be in the fact that you are the resurrection and the life. And though we die, we will live and not die. And may this give us grace to move forward in our lives in hope. Each day that you give us before that great getting up morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.